Welcome to New Covenant Church. You are listening to this week's message with Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. Just want to give you a quick update. Um, many of you have been praying uh, for my father uh, over the past six weeks or so. He's had uh, COVID and um, he uh, has been on a ventilator for over a month now. And uh, last Last week, it was on uh, Sunday night, early Monday morning, uh, the doctor was actually, he called my mom and was wanting us to come and evaluate him and wanted to stop care um, and in his terms make him comfortable um, and, and basically let him pass away. Uh, he was doing okay physically, he just had never come back mentally and wasn't responsive to them or commands or questions and things like that. And the doctor had pretty much lost all hope and was saying he's just not going to come back. And uh, we weren't at a place to do that yet, but, but they were going to let us in, which at least in that area, yeah, I think it's different by city and hospital, but they're not letting anyone into the hospital to see anybody at all unless you're saying goodbye. And so he was going to let us in, though, and kind of make an exception because he was saying, if you can see him like I see him, I think you'll agree with me. And so we were like, well, we don't agree with you, but we'll take the opportunity to see him in person and lay hands on him and, and pray with him. And so um, my brother and mother asked him, you know, is it, can we wait till tomorrow, and this was on Monday, um, to give me time to get there. And so I left and, and got there Monday evening and was praying the whole way, and we sent out an update to the intercessors, and everyone was, was praying. Well, by that evening, he had started responding. And um, we still were hopeful. We were like, well, they're still going to let us, you know, we're, we were thinking, well, maybe they'll still let us in in the morning. And so on Tuesday morning, we called, and uh, left a message for the lady that was kind of the liaison and um, waiting for her to call back. And we're like, well, let's just call the nurse. Maybe we can just say, hey, we're just going to come up there, you know. And then we're talking to the nurse and we're telling him what was going on. And he said, uh, there's no way they're going to let you in. Um, he's doing too good. And we're like, well, praise the Lord on that. But we were still like, well, maybe we can still get in, you know. Um, and then a few minutes later, the other lady called back, and she's like, no, I was at his physical therapy last night, and it's a, like a night and day difference, and there, you can't come in anymore. And so we're like, well, okay, we, you know, we'll take that. But, um, and so this is on Tuesday. Well, on Wednesday morning, the physical therapist, speech therapist, is working with him, and he's still on the ventilator. But they had one of those little things you can put on and get the vibrations and turn it into words. And so he was responding to her, so she called my mother, and my mother was able to talk to him, and she told him she loved him. And he responded that he loved her and that he was ready to go home. <laughs> so within 36 hours, they, you know, going from them saying, you know, there's no hope to he's talking, you know, and that he couldn't respond and all that. So uh, God just completely, yeah, restored him. And we believe he's on his way to total healing. Um, but this is affecting really everybody right now. I don't think there's anybody here this morning that doesn't have a friend or a, a loved one of a friend uh, who's dealing this with right now. Uh, I know we got a notification yesterday that uh, Jennifer Wright, her best friend's husband, passed away. He lives in East Texas and was only 54 years old. Um, and then uh, we actually, uh, Charles and Linda Cass, who are longtime members here at the church, just we're just notified that both of them have it. And so we're uh, going to lift them up in prayer. But I just want uh, to take a moment right now and just lift up everyone that we are aware of, that we know of, whether it's uh, dealing with a loss or a potential loss or healing or whatever. We just know we're all being impacted. 
impacted by this, and we know that the one uh, that we can count on is our Heavenly Father, and that regardless, He is with us. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you that you are with each and every one of us, Lord. We thank you that you are uh, personal, Lord, that you uh, care about us, Lord, and you care about each one of these families that are being impacted and each one of these individuals, Lord. And Father, we pray for everyone uh, that is affected by this disease right now, Father. We come against uh, the spirit of abandonment, Lord. All the people that are in the hospital that can't have visitors, all the people in nursing homes that can't see their family, Lord. People in states that are confined to their homes, Father God. We just uh, come against this uh, spirit of abandonment and loneliness, Father God, and pray that in this time uh, they will get to know you in a way they never have before, Lord, that even uh, the lost would hear the Holy Spirit crying out to them, Lord, and respond to you in this time, that they would know that no one is alone because you are with us. Father, and Lord, we just pray for healing uh, for everyone that's battling this, Lord. We pray for every medical professional. Lord, we know they're tired. Lord, we know uh, that this has been hard on them, Father, and we just pray for your strength and your peace and your comfort, Lord, and I pray that they are seeing you work in miraculous ways all around them and that many of them are coming to you because of the miracles that they're seeing you work, Father. And Lord, I just pray uh, that your will be done in every single one of these situations, Lord, that we don't understand the outcomes of each one of these situations, but we know that you do and that in every one of them you are with everyone involved, Lord, and that's what we pray, uh, that they know you're with them, that your peace and comfort is with them. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible with you, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 19. Uh, And I'm going to start out with a question that I asked last week, and I'm going to ask it again this morning, and that is, what could be more personal than God the Father sending his Son, Jesus Christ, to redeem us from our sin? In just 12 days, we're going to be celebrating Christmas, the birth of Jesus Christ, which was the arrival of what I would say is the best gift that was ever given. The gift of the Son of God from the Father. The the Father gave from His heart because of His love for us. And the Son came willingly, obediently, not only for His love for us, but for His love for the Father. What could be more personal. And one thing that always has amazed me is that God took the first step. Romans 5.8 says, God showed his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's love. That's personal. We wronged him and he takes the initiation to fix the wrong. I don't know about you, but that's not usually the way Uh, I react in situations if someone wrongs me. I think, well, if they'll take the time to come and find me and ask for my forgiveness, I might think about it. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. But God, while we were in the midst of our sin, continuing in our sin, not only did he not stop loving us and continue to love us, he made a way to redeem us making a way that we could be forgiven. Not only while we were away, but while we continued to walk away. When we had no relationship with Him, He came for us because He first loved us. 
the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is personal. And we're going to continue this It's Personal series this morning uh, by digging deeper into Jesus' interaction with the man Zacchaeus. And today's message is titled, Do You Know My Name? Names are personal. Names are important, oftentimes much more important than we would realize. Did you know that God was the initiator of names? The first task that he assigned uh, Adam with was to subdue the earth and to assign names to all the animals that he had created. And then after God would later create Adam's helpmate, Adam named her woman because he said she's flesh of my flesh. She came from me, and that's what woman means. And I noticed something as I was reading that passage and studying it this week was, and I'd really never noticed it before, was that uh, Eve didn't get named Eve then. It's not until after the fall that then Adam names her Eve. And I think there, that, there may be a whole other message in just that right there, because that's significant. There's, there's a lot in that. But the point being is that, that God made a way from the very beginning of crea- creation that we would differentiate ourselves from one another uniquely, personally. Well, before we go any further into that, let's read our primary text. If you went to Luke chapter 19, we'll read verses 1 through 10. It starts out saying he, and it's referring to Jesus. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he, Zacchaeus, ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to try to see Jesus, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. Jesus called Zacchaeus out of the tree by name. And we're going to come back to that in just a moment. Verse 7, And when they saw it, and the the people saw this interaction between Zacchaeus and Jesus, and it says they all grumbled because he has gone in to be a guest of a man who's a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. I think verse 10 not only sums up Jesus' entire earthly ministry, but it also sums up the purpose of this personal interaction that he had with Zacchaeus on this day. Jesus took the time to talk to this man, this one man. And it was personal to the extent that he called this man by name. If you were with us last week, you know uh, that the larger framework of this series is based off of a book that I read a while back called It's Personal by Reggie Joyner. 
And one thing that I want uh, to point out, and this is the case of any book that I may ever recommend, is that just because I recommend a book, it does not mean I agree with everything in that book. Um, and so if you ever are reading something I recommend and you are like, well, how could he believe this? Well, I may not. Um, just because there's something good in a book doesn't mean everything in that book is good outside of the Bible. <laughs> if we disagree there, it may just be one of us has a wrong interpretation, but it's correct. Um, if we're reading a book that any human being has written uh, outside of, of the inspired word of God, then it can be wrong. And so I wanted to point out something uh, regarding Zacchaeus' name and Jesus knowing Zacchaeus' name, that if you happen to read that book and you see that, you know, you might think that that's something I agree with when I don't. And I think it's important to this whole message and series. And it's that the author says that maybe Jesus knew Zacchaeus' name just because uh, he'd heard stories about him and people in the community were talking about that uh, rich tax collector, the dishonest tax collector, and, and his name was Zacchaeus. And then Jesus happened to see him in the tree and the way he was dressed, and maybe they described him. And so he just thought, well, maybe, okay, this, I'm going to guess that this is Zacchaeus. And I'm like, absolutely not. Um, the, the other statement that's made is that he says, well, maybe Jesus played in the God card and, and just, you know, says, well, I need to know this guy's name. So, you know, <laughs> look up and I need it. Okay, this guy's name is Zacchaeus. And I don't believe that's the way that it worked either. I don't believe Jesus Christ ever, quote, played the God card in his entire life. Scripture is very clear, uh, and we're going to look at two uh, examples of that. The first being in John 5.19, we read, uh, this is Jesus himself talking. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing. So how much can he do? Some things, one thing, five things, nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. And in John 12:49 Jesus said, "I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak." So Jesus was our perfect example in living out our human life. If Jesus had played the God card as Reggie proposes, then he was leading a life that we could never hope to lead. We don't have that option. We do have the option of God speaking to us through the Holy Spirit, which is how God spoke to Jesus Christ. But he did it perfectly. Every single time, he says, everything I did, every word that I said, was what the Father said and what he instructed me to do. And once we are walking in a restored relationship with the Father, through Jesus Christ, we are changed. And Jesus said that we could walk in spirit and not in the flesh as he did. And he also said that we could do greater things than he did. But not because any human would ever be greater than Jesus. That's ridiculous to think uh, that, we, that we would be like Christ in that sense. What this would be saying is that it would only be because the Father asks us to do something greater. That he is then going to do by his power and his might. And everyone that Jesus healed, I mean, we just, it, it's clear in John, what he did and what he said was because the Father did it. So he would say, heal that man, and Jesus would say, yes, sir. If he spit in the ground, he said, everything I do 
When he spit in the ground to make mud, the Father, through the Holy Spirit, said, spit in the ground and make mud and put in his eyes. And he said, yes, sir. I will be perfectly obedient to your will in everything that I do. And so if he ever asks us to do something that is going to be totally totally miraculous, it's not because we're better or did something better than Jesus. It would be because the Father's decided to do a greater miracle. And if we obediently hear it and respond, he's going to do the work. It was never by Jesus' own power or authority. Even his temptation with Satan in the wilderness, Satan was trying to get him to play the God card. And he could have at any point, but he would have been going outside the Father's will. And Satan over and over and over said, look, you can do this, just do it. And Jesus would say, no, I live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. To me, this makes this encounter with Jesus even more personal. We talked last week how Jesus was passing through Jericho on his way to Jerusalem, knowing that he was on his way to the cross, knowing that he would be laying his life down for the whole world. And with that pressure and with that mission, the Father says, but son, we've got to take time for a man named Zacchaeus. I know his name. He's going to be up in a tree and he needs your help. And I care about him. And so I need you to care about him. And Jesus obediently responds. And this is actually the last recorded one-on-one encounter that Jesus has before the death, his death on the cross. He had, there's, there's multiple one-on-one counters, even one with a woman, which was scandalous in that day. Jesus should have never even been speaking to a woman alone. But that means God the Father cared about that woman and said, Son, we've got to talk to her too. We don't even have her name. It's just the woman at the well. But the Father knew her and cared about her. And Jesus did too. God the Father led Jesus to have this encounter. And He led Jesus to have every encounter. And I believe it was God the Father who spoke Zacchaeus' name to Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And that it was God the Father who played the God card. He always holds all the cards. And he spoke Zacchaeus' name to Jesus. Our Heavenly Father is not an impersonal God. He's not a creator that's removed. He didn't set things in order and walk away. God is a personal God. He knows every single one of our names. Isaiah 43.1 says, But now, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And in John 10.2-3, Jesus said, He who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens 
and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And then in Luke 12, 7, Jesus says, Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, for you are of more value than many sparrows. And that great, the, the context of that passage is him saying, Don't worry. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink. Don't worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. How many things do we all have to worry about right now? There's no lack of things to worry, but God says, don't worry about anything because I know your name. I see you. I'm with you. I know you. Just trust me. And have a personal relationship with me. Know me. Attempt to know me like I know you. The average person has about 100,000 hairs on their head. I know I've got less than that because if you see, <laughs> if you see back here when I walk on the stage, I, I, I always see that video and I'm like, oh man, I'm getting bald. I never see that and I think I have hair. I do in the <laughs> In the front. So let's say I've got 90,000. I don't know how much I've lost back there. But every single day I comb my hair and I and, you know, put stuff in it. And I always end up with hair in my hands and hair in the sink. And literally at that moment, God is saying 89,978. <laughs> And the next day, 89,964. That's how He knows us. He knows us intimately and personally. He knows everything about us. He knows everything that we've ever done. He knows our deepest, darkest sins and thoughts. And Romans 5.8 says, And while you are sinning, while you were still yet a sinner, when I knew everything there is to know about you that there ever is to know or will be to know, I loved you. And in that moment, I sent my son to come to earth and to live a life and to die for you. And he still does. And he's saying, I want you to know me like I know you. And I've done all I can do on my part. There's nothing left for him to do. All that's left for us is to respond. If we've never responded to His love, if we've never responded to His sacrifice, if we've never responded to the relationship that He wants us to have, it's on us because He's done everything that needs to be done. And He's calling you by name. And He says, come out of the tree because I want to go home with you. And all that He's waiting for is for us to respond. I shared last week that the vision at NCC is that we would glorify God by inviting all people to know, hear, and respond to Jesus Christ through relationship. And our heart is to invite people to get personal with God by us being personal with them. And that's exactly what Jesus did that day. 
as he passed through Jericho on his way to Jerusalem, as he called out Zacchaeus by name, with that one word, with that one word, Zacchaeus, Jesus was telling him, I see you. God the Father sees you. We know you. We care about you. All of that was communicated because he knew his name. Zacchaeus was like, how could he know me? Because God the Father knows you. And he knows your name and he cares about you. Can you imagine how surprised Zacchaeus was when he heard Jesus calling his name? He climbed up in a tree just to see him, just to get a glimpse of him. Now, he had to have heard something about this teacher, about this man of God. Maybe even somebody said people are saying he's the son of God. We don't know what he knew, but he knew enough that he said, this man is coming here and I have to see him. And he climbs this tree and then Jesus calls him by name. It was a life changing moment. When Jesus said his name, he was honoring him. Jesus recognized Zacchaeus in front of a crowd of people who dishonored him. And it only takes a fraction of a second to say someone's name. And in that split second, Jesus said one word that affected his entire sense of identity, belonging, and purpose. Zacchaeus. Names are important. There was a a woman named Carmen Farina, and she went to Brooklyn in the 1950s with her family. They fled uh, Spain during the Spanish Civil War, and she was the only uh, non-English-speaking student in her kindergarten class, so she was probably, you know, five, six years old at the time. And her father received a letter uh, after she'd been going to school for about six weeks, and the letter said she had not been in attendance. And uh, Carmen's father was, was very surprised because he'd literally walked her to school and dropped her off every morning for six weeks. And so he went to the school to talk to the teacher to find out what was going on. And the teacher said, I can't pronounce her last name, and she doesn't answer to the name that I gave her. So Carmen's teacher had renamed her because her name was an inconvenience to her. Well, this little girl didn't understand anything that anybody was saying at this time. You know, she probably didn't even know she'd been renamed. Well, Carmen ended up being the first one in her family to graduate from college. And she went on to be an educator in New York for over 50, or almost 50 years. And eventually she served as the chancellor of New York City and was over 2,000 schools. Um, so she, she, she obviously learned English and ended up doing okay for herself. But one of her priorities as an educator was to help educate educators on the importance of using a child's name and pronouncing it correctly and knowing uh, it correctly. Because names are important. 
Research shows that a person's brain activity actually rises in response to hearing one's own name. Even as an infant, our brains literally light up when they you know, have all their things on, things on them to see what's going on in our brain. It's as if the brain says, hey, that's me. And another interesting note is, at least from a brain activity standpoint, they said a person never gets tired of hearing their name. So we, I mean, I, 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 that may not be true for moms. Like, mom, 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 mom. <laughs> that, might, that might get old. But according to the little sensors, apparently they've even done that kind of thing. They said every single time, it's lighting up. That's me, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me. So at least at that subconscious level, we don't get tired of hearing our name. Well, as simple as it sounds, pronunciation and spelling matter. As we walk through this series, I'm going to continue inviting you and me to invite ourselves into someone's personal life. And one of those ways that we can do that is by following Jesus' example and his approach to ministry in a personal and relational way. And one way that we can do that is to learn and use people's names. When we say someone's name, we silently answer multiple questions. Like, do you notice me when I'm here? Or if I'm not here? Do you like being around me? Do you recognize me uniquely from others? What does it take to remember people's names? We're going to look at a couple of helpful tips that we can try. One is saying their name out loud. Research shows uh, that, a, oh, I said that already, and, and pronouncing, it, uh, pronouncing their name correctly. Uh, saying out someone's name out loud, you can say it over and over in a conversation. And the more that we say it, the more likely we're to tie it with them and to remember it. Uh, and try to pronounce their name correctly the way that they give it to you. Uh, some names can be hard for us to pronounce, and it's okay to ask for help with pronunciation. It's not wrong to struggle with that, uh, especially if it's in another language that, that you're not used to speaking. But let's be careful that we frame the struggle as our inability to pronounce it, and not as if they're doing us an inconvenience and in making our life more difficult by having their name. <laughs> It's not their fault. That's just their name. I remember uh, meeting a, one of my best friends now. He's been a friend of mine since college, and his name's Thorben. Uh, it's T-H-O-R-B-A-N. And um, it's just not a, you know, not a common name. I don't know if... I've, never, I've only met one. He's, <laughs> he's the only one. He's never run across anybody that has his name. But I remember the day that we met because I asked him like three or four times to say his name again because I just didn't... I didn't get it. I didn't understand. I was like, what, you know, what did you say? And he repeated it back, and I tried. I don't know how I mispronounced it or butchered it, but it was wrong. And he's like, no. He said it again. I said it again. He's like, no. And I think it took three or four times, but I got it, uh, and then I remembered it and used it properly because that, that's his name. Uh, and then my father is an example. His name's uh, Raul, if you want to say it in Spanish, um, with, the, with the rolled R and everything. Um, but people, and he, he also introduces him, himself as Rawl, uh, just to, to help people. You know, uh, some people, as much as they try, they can't roll an R. Um, but he's been called Raul, Rule, Raul, just all kinds of different things or funny 
you know, when people try to roll their R and they can't roll their R. Um, and he, he really is, he, it doesn't bother him. He appreciates the attempts. Um, but, like, he is okay with raw. And that one thing I want to point out with that is that if the person introduces themselves with a nickname or something like that or a shorter name or an easier name to, to, to say, uh, they're giving you permission. They're okay with that. That's okay. You don't have to say, well, no, your real name's, <laughs> you know, this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. Um, but if they introduce themselves in a specific way, that's probably the way they want to be referred to, you know. And, um, like, my daughter Abigail is an example. Her name's Abigail. We've called her Abby from birth, and so she's used to Abby. Um, so if, if she were to introduce herself to you as Abby, but then you say, well, so is your real name or full name Abigail? And she said, yeah, but I go by Abby, and then you call her Abigail from then on. That, that's not what she wants to be called. Yes, it's her name, but that's not what she goes by. So again, you know, whatever someone introduces themselves as is usually uh, what they would like to be referred to. And we should be personal enough and care enough to work on that and, and use that name. Uh, and they don't have to be hard for us to mispronounce or get them wrong. Um, there's a young, sweet young lady here in the church uh, that her name is Madeline, uh, not Madeline. <laughs> And at one, and I'm, this is one of the things I struggle with. I can get two things, whether it be names or anything, confused. And at one point I'll think, well, is it this or that? And once I've started that, from then on it's a 50-50 shot. Because every time I'll think of both, I'm like, okay, it's either Madeline or Madeline. Which one? <laughs> you know, and it's Madeline. Well, I need to do the work and, and put in the practice and make the priority to know her name is Madeline. And I need to, and, and neither one of those are hard to, res, to, to say. I can say them both, I can pronounce them both, but I need to know what her name is. And, and it's worth putting in that time. And so, uh, and we need to not change their name. Like, well, I like Madeline. <laughs> so I'm going to call you Madeline. Like, no, that's, that's not her name. Uh, and I, I already mentioned about not renaming people. So I made this mistake, and I'll just give you, it's a, I, I always, or not always, a lot of times I do things the wrong way. But, so I made this very bad mistake with my wife. Um, so her name is Candy. Actually, her, her given name is Candace Rose, but she always went by Candy. It's kind of like Abigail and Abby. So when I met her and was introduced to her and all that, it was Candy. Um, and then as we started building a relationship, uh, I learned her legal name is Candace. Well, I decided I liked Candace. Better than candy. And so, so I, I, yeah, I, I was a very young and stupid kid. I don't think I, I, I think I was 20, 20 at the time. Anyway, so I started calling her Candace. And um, I confused everybody. Her own family got confused because I'm calling her Candace around them. And they call her Candy. And they're like, well, maybe she told them to call her Candace. And maybe she doesn't like us calling her Candy. And I mean, like, it, it just, it was a mess. But it was a silent mess. You know, the way that I said Jesus silently communicated all these things to Zacchaeus by using his name. And one of the things, Candy, I asked her permission to, <laughs> to get into this story. But one of the things she told me is, well, you can say part of it was my fault because she was very timid at the time and didn't say anything. So she didn't correct me or anything like that. Still my fault. Right? <laughs> it's all my fault. But, but she didn't try to stop me or say, hey, I don't like Candace. I want to be called 
Candy. So then my family was calling her Candace. Her family was calling her Candy. Uh, it even went, she moved jobs to another company. And so then, like, it started as Candace there. And so, like, years in, they all realized, like, so what do you want to be calling her? Like, well, I'd actually prefer Candy. Um, so it took me a while, but I actually worked on it and got that out of my vocabulary. Now I call her Candy. But it was years into our marriage before one day in, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure it started with an argument of that something else I'd done wrong. Um, and uh, she, she throws out, you even renamed me. And I just like, you know, like this smack in the face with a two by four. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She said, everybody call me Candy, and you changed my name to Candace. And, and, and uh, you know, I'm sure in that moment I was still dumb enough to say, well, but that's your name, <laughs> you know. That's, get your birth certificate out, I'll prove it. I'm right, you know. I'm <laughs> no, it, it wasn't helping. And so, and, and I don't know if it was immediate, it may have taken me a while, but I started, you know, after that time, okay, I need to call you Candy. It doesn't matter what I prefer. This is your name. Uh, and so whatever that is, uh, we need to do that. Another one, and I love this one, is discover their name's story. A lot of names mean something. Uh, my name's Christopher Ray. Same, you know, so switch the story. I go by Chris. I, I really wouldn't care to be called Christopher. Um, but my full name's Christopher. And Christopher means Christ bearer. And Ray, uh, I, I know that's like a ray of light, and it's got multiple meanings, but um, Ray was passed down, and it's a family name that my grandfather and my mother and me and now one of our daughters all have Ray, you know. And so if you just ask somebody that simple of a question, what's, what's the story behind your name? You're likely to get personal. They'll, they'll share a story about their family or the meaning or... Uh, you know, family history. And so that one simple question uh, can help you also remember it later um, and, and get a story that you can tie together with it. Another thing is to write the name down. We can also connect the name visually, uh, practice with a photo of them and their face and saying it over and over uh, to associate it. I'm sure, ask any teacher. Teachers amaze me uh, that they'll have different classes, you know, 60 or more kids running through you know, six or seven classes a day, and they know every single kid's name. I guarantee you, if you ask them, they have methods that they're using to do that, and they've been practiced on for years. Um, and so ask them, you know, for some, for some possible tips as well. We can also make associations, um, you know, either names or pictures of other things. There was one man who used this technique. Uh, he had a difficult time remembering names and things, and so he took a course to help uh, associate things with, with words and help remember important things. And um, I actually took a Dale Carnegie course years ago uh, that, that offered stuff like that and how to remember names and the importance of names. So one evening, this man, uh, he and his wife invited a couple over, and they were visiting, and he was telling his guest about this course he'd taken. Uh, and the guy was really interested and thought, well, I might take that too. He was like, well, what's the course name? And of course, the man couldn't remember. Um, so, But he, he was put what he learned into practice. He started with his association, and he says, um, what's that flower called that smells real pretty and has thorns? And the guy says, are you talking about a rose? That's it. He says, rose, honey, what's the name of that memory course I took? (laughs) So, 
It worked. You know, the course worked for them. But we may not be that bad a shape. <laughs> But we can certainly work on it. And there's the last thing, the last thing that I would suggest is pray their name. Pray for them. Hopefully one of the reasons that we're in any relationship is to show them the love of Christ and be a witness to them. And one of the most effective ways that we can do that is to pray for them by name. So before we close this morning, I do want to make one more uh, thing clear. And that's that I'm not asking you to have a personal relationship with every single person that we encounter. It's not possible. Uh, and as Jesus walked through the crowd that day, he was walking through a crowd. There was hundreds, if not thousands, of other people around him that day. And God the Father asked him one thing. Talk to the man named Zacchaeus that's up in the tree. And so what I'm asking us to do is Go to the Father, be in relationship with the Father and hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit and knowing His voice like Jesus says we can know His voice because my sheep hear my voice and I call them by name. And He talks to us and we can trust that at the grocery store, at our job, wherever we go, we can hear Him say, that person, they need someone to talk to them today. Will you reach out to them Will you be personal with them? And that's what we're called to do, is respond and walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh, as we're led by the Holy Spirit. I'm not trying to convince an introvert to become an extrovert, or an extrovert to say that you have to to narrow down your relationships to one person. I'm just inviting you into a personal relationship with the Father and to do what He asked you to do and to say what He asked you to say. We know He's a personal God. We know that He loves us and we know He loves others and He calls us to personally invite people into a personal relationship with Him. And one step we can take toward that personal relationship is to know their name. And once we have a personal relationship with them, we can start to share with them that there is a God, a Father, a Creator of all things that also knows their name. And He cares about them and loves them and wants a relationship with them just like we do. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just thank You. God, I thank You that You are a personal God that you want to be intimate with us. You want to get into the areas of our life that no one else has access to. And you already know everything about us and still want a relationship with us. Even while we were sinners, before we responded to you, you responded to us. You made a way for the relationship to be restored. Thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being personal. Thank you for always being with us, Father. And I pray if there's anyone here this morning who doesn't know you, that today they would respond and call out to you by name as you've been calling out to them. Literally from before 
they were born, Lord. You knew them before they were born, before they were knit in their mother's womb. You loved them and cared for them and have been seeking them their whole life, Father. And I just pray that they would turn to you today. That they would know your name like you know theirs. Father, and I pray for all of us that are already in a relationship with you, Father, that we would hear everything you have to say and that we would say everything you give us to say and that we would see what you're doing and what you would have us do, Lord, and respond and do those things. And Father, we pray that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven in all things. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. There's a prayer team that will be available to pray with you, and they'll be here after the service as well. Uh, Will you stand with us as we close with a worship song? so good that uh, he actually uses all those points that Chris gave you today about how how to remember who somebody is. God does that to the point that when God the Father calls out Mike, the right Mike knows who he's calling, right? He pronounces it correctly. He doesn't change your name. He changes your identity and who you are, but you get to keep your name. When you ask God to come into your heart and be the Lord of your life, He writes it down in the Lamb's Book of Life, and it can't be taken out. He does connect it visually because God shows me sunsets that you don't see. God shows me things around me that you don't see, and it's personal just for me. And Jesus Himself prays for us because He goes to the Father to intercede for us until we get to join Him there. That stuff's not new. 
God invented those things, and he did it just for you personally. Amen. Father God, thank you that you know us, you love us, you accept us for just who we are. And God, I'm thankful that you wait for us. Just calling us, calling us, calling us until the day that we respond. Father God, I thank you that those who are here today, whom you're calling, Lord, when they're ready and when the time is right, they'll respond and make you Lord of their life and their lives will be changed. Thank you for calling them. Thank you for knowing the meaning behind their name and their story and who they are and still loving them today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A couple quick announcements before you go. If you're in middle school or high school youth, monitor social media. Things are changing by the moment. Weather depending, we may meet tonight, maybe not. So just just, just do what you normally do. Look at the phone all the time. All right? One more thing for you. There's another chance for you to minister to the community on December 4th, or 14th, excuse me, December 14th. It's a Monday from 11 in the morning till 2, in the, uh, 2 p.m. There's going to be a drive-through toy drop-off at the fire department. That's 1107 East 4th Street here in town. You know where the fire station is. Get an unwrapped new toy or a monetary donation. It's a drive-through deal, so you can just hand it out the window. They'll hand you a plate of food on your way out. So it's a pretty good trade. So uh, support the local community for the toy drive for the police and fire department. Y'all have a great afternoon. Enjoy one of us company. And call someone by name today. Invite them to lunch. All right. Y'all take care. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 